the 253rd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Alex Romano, member of the Soil Health Team. The COVID-19 pandemic's effects have rippled through communities and industries across Minnesota in different ways. When outbreaks temporarily shuttered several meat processing plants, including Worthington's JBS USA Pork Processing Plant and Sioux Falls, South Dakota's Smithfield Foods Production Facility, it left producers and consumers in limbo. Farmers were left needing places to process livestock they weren't able to move on to market. Large retailers like Walmart experienced meat shortages, leading a surge of customers searching for new sources. Both turned their sights on local meat processors and markets. Local meat processing is crucial for small to mid-sized family farms who sell processed meat directly to consumers or through food co-ops and other retail venues. This allows farmers to sell their own price rather than having to sell animals through unpredictable conventional markets. Dover Processing is a USDA-inspected meat processing plant located in Dover, which is in southeastern Minnesota. Eric Klein established Dover Processing in 2017. After graduating from LSP's first Farm Beginnings class some two decades ago, Eric and Lisa Klein launched Hidden Stream Farm, which raises pasture-based meats for direct sale to consumers, retailers, and restaurants. I recently sat down with Eric to talk about why they decided to start a meat processing business, what it took to do it, and the challenges involved. Okay, I'm... uh... Eric Klein. We live in Elgin, Minnesota. Um, our farm meat company is Hidden Stream Farm in Elgin, and we also own Dover Processing, which is a USDA inspected uh, meat processing plant located in Dover, Minnesota, just about 12 miles south of us. Eric, I was wondering if you can tell, you can give me some background on Dover Processing and talk about how you got it started. Um, so. Dover was kind of built out of necessity of our own for processing. Um, For many, many years, we just went to all the small processors in the area weekly. Uh, We were going to Winona, we were going to Iota, we'd go to Lake City just to get the type of processing we needed done that week. Um, We started out with a fresh meat program 20 years ago, 19 years ago. And it just kind of evolved from there. That's what the customers wanted. We dealt with grocery stores, meat shops, corporate cafeterias, restaurants, and they were just accustomed to that. And that's kind of the the uh, model that we fit into, or we provided that service instead of a frozen product that you know the normal way, or not the not normal way, but the way it was always done is you kind of raised your animals, and then in the fall or the spring, you would do your butchering for the year to get by, Mm. Um, farmer's markets, things like that. So then doing fresh, that kind of threw that out the window and we had to process every week. Mm. So for as long as we can remember, we've been processing pigs every Tuesday, cutting every Wednesday, and and we deliver every Thursday for that's been our (laughs) schedule, kind of like milking cows, you know. 
you, you stick to that routine. Um, so then, you know, we were really kind of taking up a lot of space all over the place. And, you know, our processors were glad to work with us. But at the same time, we were trying to grow and expand different product lines and, and things. And being able to use a, a dock truck and have a loading dock to, to load at with the pallets. Um, on these old plants, they just don't have that stuff. So, so you built new? So we built new. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the plant we built in Dover was brand new. Mm. It was re repurposed. The building and the structure of the property was there, but we basically gutted the building and started from scratch. Because mm. um, with USDA, you have to have all floor drains and you have to have rooms and you have to have segregation. And so we basically had this great building with beautiful concrete floor and we had to tear up every inch of it oh, and start all over again. How many years did it take to... Uh, it took about six months. Six months? To build it. You were ambitious. Right. Well, I mean, we, we, we hired contract, a uh, general contractor and they did it. I mean, that was just the building. I spent four years planning it, but but the actual process went, went pretty good. Huh. So this allowed us, and then you know, allowed us to bring everything, excuse me, in-house and um, work on more products, more development, um, different types of sausages, things like that. Um, so was it, um, were you the sole owners and you were operating, you were doing the processing? No, side of the no, company? we got a guy, um, I hired a really good guy who lives locally, um, Jeff, and he does, he's the plan manager since before it opened. So he does all the overseeing, and then he takes care of it every day, and you know. So what services does Dover Processing provide now? So we're a full service USDA inspected. So we do slaughter, we do processing, cutting, sausages, smoking, snack sticks. Mm -hmm. um, we do uh, what's called co-packing for other people. So if somebody comes to us and says, hey, I want to do this meat product or I want to do snack sticks, um, they don't necessarily have to bring the animals in. Hmm. They can take the, the meat that they get, uh, as long as it's USDA inspected, they can bring that to us and we can take that and make that into a final product for them. And then we can package it, we can put their label on it, and then they have a, a product to go to retail with. Is that a popular service? Um, it's, it comes and, it comes and goes. I get lots of calls for, you know, some guy wanted 2000 pounds of brats a week is what he was thinking. Another meatball company wanted to launch. Um, we're part of the, uh, Minnesota co-packer directory. They actually have one at the MDA oh, okay. at the department of ag. I wasn't aware of that. So, and it has all the list of people that do, you know, that do canning for salsas or they do packaging or they do meat processing or um, maybe they'll it's a co-packer you could take your organic wheat to yeah. and they would grind it into flour for you and package it and label it so oh, all these smart. all these people that have all this infrastructure they can offer that out to a small business that wants to wants to grow a brand or start a brand or add more value to their company yeah okay no kidding can so, like contract it out yeah 
So when you started um, this meat processing facility, where did you, you said it took four years of planning. Where were you getting your information or advice? Like, what, where were you going? Yeah. There wasn't a lot out there, mm-hmm. actually. Really? Um, we found worksheets. I think it was like Iowa State or Illinois actually had a meat processing um, worksheet, spreadsheet, whole, not, not just one sheet, but, you know, where you input your numbers of what's your volume, what do you want to play, what do you want to pay people, what do you think your overhead, what do you think your insurance is going to be, and it spits it all out at the end <laughs> of what you can do and what's your volume. You know, I'm going to do 10 beef and I'm going to do two pigs and five lambs a week. Can I make money at this scale and this is my cost? That was really helpful. Were you going to make money um, processing for yourselves or were you going to have to have custom other customers right away and- we were going to have to have other customers yeah, yeah. okay for the size of the building okay. i suppose if we went smaller we would have been could just on ours but for the size of the building um and that's all whole the whole timing worked out um the old staple of Laterbur meats in winona which had been around for like 50 years um about a year after we opened that business got sold and the next owners didn't do a very good job with it. So then, um, we just had this influx of customers coming at us saying, can you cut like them? You Um, know, would you characterize Dover as like a midsize processing facility? I would small, small, small midsized. Okay. You know, um, I mean, if you're comparing like the Tyson's, yeah. And then a little locker plant. You know, you've got Lorenz down below the big guys, mm-hmm. and we're just above the little guys. Okay. So I guess I'd kind of put us in that that realm. And how did you determine your capacity? Like, um, We kind of knew what the building would hold. We worked with a designer, too, that kind of helped us design the plant. And he had the... Uh, AutoCAD type drawings that he could put all the rooms together and place equipment and and then we just kind of spec'd we want to do you know like 20 beef in a pre-choke cooler and which equates to about 25 beef in the next in the holding cooler mm. and that's just kind of the number we we picked and designed it to that okay what we could do. So you weren't anticipating the closure of this other local no, processor? No, we, we figured we had plenty of room. Okay. Um, right. And even then, we were still, you know, we still had room. And then when the pandemic hit, then, yeah, it was just, everything was full. Okay. Trying to keep up. Um, what would you say were the, the biggest barriers um, in terms of regulations or... Um, finances, equipment, labor. You know, regulation wasn't too bad. You got to have a good lawyer, a good attorney to help you work through all those processes because they look at things like what's the zoning. I've heard of other plants that built it. This is not around here, but um, all of a sudden they built it and then the city comes and says, well, we can't handle your wastewater, Mm. you know. This is a huge place. Yeah. They had to build their own, raise another two or three million to build their own water treatment plant. Oh, I see. So, you know, it's just that due diligence of having to 
teaches you to be a good business person because mm-hmm. you really have to know everything. We did have to do some zoning things, and but okay. yeah, and then you know that's the financing's the the tough one, depending on if you're loaded or not. <laughs> you know what was your approach? So we you know, we had to do a lot of financing with banks and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Was that and the a SB, challenge? SBA. Oh, yeah. 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 Because you're just, you know, they, it's it's not everybody building a plant every day. Yeah. It's something that has to be proven, and everybody has to take a risk on it. Um, Why do you think they took a risk with you? I'm sure. Well, you know, it helps that we had an established business. We weren't just coming off of a, a job already cutting meat, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what else was there? Equipment. Equipment. Um, lots of sales guys. You know, the guy that helped us design kind of, he was a resource and just talked to lots of people. There's lots of people selling, people sell you anything you want to buy. Mm. But again, the biggest thing is you got to do your due diligence and you really got to just look for other options and not take it at face value mm. is what is at least that's what I found okay people could sell me anything I wanted but was it supported was the price reasonable that was a big thing hmm. um, support we found out we found out who would support us when it wouldn't bro- break when it would break down and who wouldn't right so that does that happen often you yeah you think okay I bought this I'm good for five years or ten years yeah. on this hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment but no they gotta they're running they're working hard so you gotta fix them you know sometimes every six months or a year or all the time uh. and that's just added expense Sorry. the only thing we've changed or upgraded is just because of the sheer volume that we've been doing okay that we had never planned on you know we thought this one stuffer would be our our go-to well we outgrew that and had to buy a second one so now we're running two stuffers and two grinders and just to because you can't make sausage and ground beef at the same time Mm -hmm. something something gets left behind (laughs) and product doesn't get made on time so just to keep the whole flow of the plant going we had to invest even more yeah what about labor? You said you found a, a local person who was very skilled to um, yep. be the property manager. So Jeff runs the plant for me. Okay. And then we've been been good. We've had a lot of good good help, you know. That we've got a really good team there now that's doing well. Supports Jeff and we get get a lot of stuff through there in a week. You know. We're confined by the USDA so we only work that eight hours, seven to seven to three, three thirty. So we can't just, you know, not like a farm or something where you can just run till, right. run till the middle of the night. Once you're done, you're done, and you got to try and get, get it done in that time. Hmm. You know, plus we have to pay overtime. We're not a farm business, so. But finding that skilled labor um, was was that we've, a challenge at all? Or you said there. We've had a few that came in skilled. Okay. And then other guys have just learned being there, okay. or they've been taught. You know, so that's. They've been, been willing to learn. The ones that haven't been have kind of weeded themselves out. Mm-hmm. But the ones that really want to and appreciate and like the work, they've stayed with us. 
Good. So it's been been good that way. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. Labor's not not easy right now on either end. No. And all you'd say all those folks were local. Yep. Oh, that's really good. Yep. Um, can you share a little bit about how the COVID-19 pandemic over this last year has impacted um, your processing business? So um, it just caught us off guard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, all processors across the country, we, you know, you weren't expecting all these plants to shut down and the ramifications that would have. So we were just, you know, in March, the phone was just ringing off the hook. Mm-hmm. People were taking dates, you know, so basically in March of 19 or of 20, all of 2021 was full. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, I just give me these dates, give me these dates. They didn't know if they had animals on the ground or not. Jeez. They're just, it's just a panic. Hmm. Um, so we were full, we had lists, single page paper, you know, 10 pages long, both sides of names were like, we can't even put names down because we don't even know, we don't know what's gonna happen. Right. You know, and our plant stayed healthy the whole time through. Really? Yeah, did we never had, any, never had any positives or anything. I was gonna say, did um, did you have to change like operations and and how it was working? No, everybody stays pretty much away. Okay. You know, they're not like like this, like at Hormel. Yeah. Everybody's like over there, over there, and you got cold air blowing. It's thirty eight degrees in there. Mm-hmm. That I think that helps a lot too. So, how much would you say? You you're, you increase capacity over that time, or or because you're limited that eight hour day and. I'd say well we still, still kept it full, but I'd say if we were. If we were at eighty five beforehand, we were at, or say if we were at ninety beforehand, we were probably running about a hundred and ten, percent. Wow. Just because all the rails were full, constantly you'd be killing and animals would be going the other way, just much as you could we didn't do the the big hog ones you know like other plants were killing all those 30 hogs a day every day Mm -hmm. and just pumping them out they weren't federal either but um so we just stayed with our main customers which they appreciated Mm -hmm. we didn't give out spaces to the big hog guys Mm -hmm. they found other they found other ways to go but um, took care of our main customers and a lot of a lot of direct marketers have really started up and really going well. Really? That's really yeah. Yeah. That was the that, that was the good side. There's a lot of people down your area of the woods yeah. that have started their businesses this year, this last year, and are really doing well with it. Do you think some of your customers have um, added more animals to their operations or are they are have I they adjusted so. based on well I think the ones that are um, really running with it now and saw the opportunity and really built customer base yeah they're definitely increasing their farms now and increasing their um, profitability mm-hmm. instead of just selling at the sale barn or whatever now they're they're learning to add value to their product mm-hmm. and and we work with them directly to help them do that. You know, we're like, hey, we got this product, or or they come to us with a product they find. Can you make that? Yeah, we can probably figure that out. 
sounds like it's important to you that this business serves um, a certain kind of farmer, maybe. Uh, can you maybe describe, like, some of the values behind? Um, um, so, you know, us being small farms, too, that was kind of our, our premise. Yeah. We wanted to support ourselves and our business and allow that to grow, but we also wanted to be that same avenue for those people, those young families that are getting going, mm -hmm. so that they could do that. And we, you know, the bulk of our business, we talked about the co-packing, but, you know, 90% of our business is dealing with farmers every day. And then they've got a quarter of a beef, you know, sold to this person, this person, and then we're that, we're that service that takes, works with all their customers, takes all their individual cutting orders, and we custom cut to what that customer needs. Mm. So the farmer, you know, can then charge them for their their meat. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we offer that's a, a service to the farmer, I guess, that they don't have to bring it all home and then divvy it all out and try and figure out how everybody, everybody wants things cut differently. Mm -hmm. So that's just a valuable service I think we offer to them. Yeah, because I am hearing that um, over the last year from some direct marketers that now people are investing in walk-in freezers and mm -hmm. cuts have a higher profit margin and everything. So right. kind of reading what, you know, uh, what's changed um, in the retail side of things or their customers demanding certain mm -hmm. things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some are getting out into you know, the high vs and stuff like that and the gas stations and mm -hmm. finding that niche. But what do you see the ripple effect around um, rural communities that a small to mid-sized facility like yours provides? Um, well, we're trying to, you know, be more of a, a, a place for them to shop and source their proteins. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard especially when you're in a little town like Dover, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, all these communities are bedroom communities to Rochester. So it's, it's a struggle where we try, we want our intentions are to be able to s support these small communities. You know, we su support them really well on a labor side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the folks at Smith told me once, you know, Smith, Southeast Minnesota Initiative yeah, they Foundation. Do yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They do a lot of entrepreneurial type stuff too. Okay. Um, you know, where we have twelve employees in a town of what, six hundred or a yeah. thousand, you know, that's equivalent to like a big big pro big uh, factory or something in Rochester or Minneapolis that has hundred, two hundred employees. Hmm. It's just hmm. uh when you balance the the population of the area right it's a big it's a big change hmm. so we figured when we opened we figured maybe four or five employees were at like 15 oh wow <laughs> so and um how long has your longest employee been there for well reference? well other than jeff um i i thought my original guy was going to make it but he didn't didn't he fell through I don't know. It's got to be four years. Okay. So since we opened in 2016, I think. Hmm. So we're still still really new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still learning. 
Um, yeah, and it sounds like you have a great system for training people in um, yeah. instead of needing to find skilled people right, right off the... Right, yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're trying. That's really all. There, there really isn't... It's a dying breed, Yeah, meat processing, mm. to actually cut, custom cut and know your cuts versus mm-hmm. being on a line somewhere where you just make that same cut all day long. Oh, interesting. You know, at Hormel, that one person just cuts a bone out of a ham all day long. That's all he does. Mm. My guys will be deboning meat or they'll be cutting steaks or they'll be tagging hams or hanging bellies or do, helping with sausage or doing ground beef or... Um, so clean been, up. <laughs> I've heard that from a number of people, like, and I, I'm curious, like, what, how would you characterize someone who's who's very skilled at that? Like, what are some of the traits that person has? Um, what are you looking for? Um, you know, what I would call an experienced guy is one keeps a knife, knows how to keep a knife sharp. That's top of the list. And then if they actually know the the cuts and they know how to break down break down a carcass. Those are the, yeah. If you if you know the, the carcass and you know the knife, mm-hmm. yeah, everything else, then it's just a matter of learning each individual plant's process. Is every plant, every plant cuts different. Mm-hmm. So is that how you set yourself apart a little bit um, to some degree? How we cut? Yeah, I would say some yeah. people say that. Yeah, we we want to come to you because we like the way you cut. We like the way you package. We put a big emphasis. When we bought equipment, we put a big emphasis on packaging. Okay. Um, we don't wrap in paper. We don't shrink wrap. You know, it's just a shrunk down plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is vacuum sealed. We have, you know, we have one machine that does the vacuum pouches. We have another hundred thousand dollar machine that just runs film through, and you put the product in the package, and it runs, puts another layer on top, and shoots it out. Mm-hmm. But you can run a lot of volume quick. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes with snack sticks, you know, we can pack 100 pounds of snack sticks pretty fast okay. instead of sticking them all in a bag and away you go, mm-hmm. you know, we spend hours and hours. Um, we invested, we thought we were good, and then we invested in a lot more efficiency-type equipment last year okay. just to help. With the capacity. Right. Yeah. To be able to get hams faster, to be able to cut sticks faster, to be able to run brats better. Hmm. Yeah. So we've used the uh, AGRI grant a couple times oh. at the MDA. MDA. Yeah. That's been, been helpful. Good. Do you think um, grants and programs like that are pretty accessible? I think so. Like yeah. yeah. Do you do the grant writing? I do. Okay. Make it. It's good the MDA makes it simple. Good. You know, if we were doing a USDA grant, then that's like way over anybody's head. Oh, okay. But, um, but MDA makes it very simple. What's your plan? What's your, what's your budget? Um, the first one before we opened, um, I had help writing that one. Okay. And then the second one for the equipment this last year, that was easier. What are you competing against um, for hmm. the farmer's support? Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah, the commodity okay. commodity world. Mm-hmm. You know, when corn's almost $7 and beef are high and hogs are through the roof. You know, they haven't seen these levels in decade, I think, or something like that. Mm. Um, it becomes a real struggle. Are you 
are you in it for the long haul or are you in it for the, the short term? Mm. You know, mm. like we're, we're in it for the long, the long term. So we know these are great times right now. Money's good or the money, you know, you can get a lot of money for your animals with little work, but it won't last. So I've been wondering about that, like how quickly we we seem to want to rebound after an experience like the one we've had over mm-hmm. the last year. And do you feel like the industry is changing and shifting and uh, because we're, we're learning from these things or um, are we sort of falling back into old ways? They, people say the local food is making a resurgence. You know, people want to know, but at the same time, um, as soon as the shelves at the stores got restocked, I don't think it took that long for everybody to go back. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but there's a segment of people that said, yes, this is the way I want to go. I don't like this insecurity. Mm -hmm. I know, I know the farmer, I know where I can get the stuff. Um, but there's the bulk I feel of the economy that will easily slip back into into the easy button have you heard of um any other processors starting up in the region or in the midwest or um i know there's a lot of plants being built okay that got just started going crazy Mm. um a lot of other states gave just huge amounts of money to plants to expand minnesota didn't but Mm. Um, Iowa, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa. I don't know if Wisconsin, but they were all given fifty. Colorado, they were all given like fifty to a hundred thousand. Really. Per plant to just here. Do something. Do something. Make it. Help. Make make more room. Make more capacity. Okay. And um, we, you know, so Minnesota gave out a five thousand dollar that mini livestock thing. Yep. You spend 10, they give you five. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give? Um, you know, I, I know you mentioned like, just do your due diligence, find a good lawyer. Yeah, you know. good accountant, good lawyer. You know, we, we had a guy help us kind of put a package together. Um, we had tried to do this ourselves, go into banks and a business plan. Um, we actually found a guy that just kind of helped us package it better and talk to the bankers and be that third party. What, who was he with? or Just a private guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, just got lucky and found him in another meeting I went to and hmm. said, hey, would you be willing to, to work with us mm-hmm. and stuff? So. Yeah, because you yeah, have it was a just full, kind of, full life as a full-time farmer right, as well. Right, So And, you know, being farm, farming is already capital intensive, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There isn't a ton of extras, so to help us pull that whole package together and this and that, and yeah, he helped us. You know, like the SBA, that was a good. That's a good program that a lot of small businesses start with. Mm. The five hundred four program. Um, that's a federal program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, small business administration. Okay. Um, they have offices or. I think they're kind of like individual companies that work do write their program. Mm-hmm. So they kind of they're one in Rochester. They write the five hundred four programs, mm. and then they're the facilitator. 
and then but we still make make our payments to the government yeah and stuff so but it's a good low interest long term Hmm. helps you spread all that you know depending on what size of a plant you want to build it you know depends on how much money you need Mm -hmm. you know can you do it for five hundred thousand or is it going to cost you two million or is it going to cost you four million or Mm -hmm. depends on how how crazy you want to get yeah do you think someone coming into it now would would be able to re um purpose some of these older plants or would are they looking at having to put up their own um they want to go federal or state or custom well what is a good i mean i mean to go federal it's hard to repurpose an old plant okay i mean it can be done but it takes a lot of a lot of updating is that the standard, though? Like, would most people want to go federal, that like you'd have more business that way? Um, it depends on your area. Now, in Iowa, nobody's federal. Yeah. Because, I don't know, everybody's within the borders of Iowa. Right. And nobody's, there must not be many on the outside edges. Hmm. So their radius of their customer doesn't require, and they all sell within that state. It's a nice nice squares rectangle state so mm-hmm. um we have people that come all the way out of central iowa really because they're one they're organic or certified organic and two they want usda because they're not too far from like illinois mm-hmm. but they come three and a half hours sometimes twice a week you know if they do pigs one day and hogs and beef the next wow it's incredible they, of time yeah that's a energy. lot of driving depending on where your region is you know, if you're living out by Vanderpool's where there isn't much processing, um, I think it's, you know, it's a great, I think they could still, still go, but I think there's still a huge need. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in a weird little Mecca here of USDA plants. Yes. You know, there's, um, well, that one's not USDA anymore, but, uh, Ciota, Chatfield, Lake City, Lorenz, you know, there's like five at least five USDA plants, slaughter plants, okay. in a 50-mile radius. Yeah. So it's, like, unheard of. Um, but I feel like this little area of the world is pretty good. We got through pretty well unscathed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all busy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but people were pretty patient. You know, they, they understood. You get a few people were calling in May saying, uh, why why can't I get in next month? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, have you watched the news? Yeah. <laughs> you stepped outside. Right. Yeah. The world's coming to an end. Mm. Mm. Um, but, um, no, they were all pretty good. Okay. So, okay. but I can definitely see where other parts of the world, or other even parts of Minnesota that need, that really just don't have processing. Mm. You know, call them the, the food deserts and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, I talked to a lot of people in Iowa I talked to a lady in Kansas quite a bit she's trying to grow her meat business and figure out processing in just a regional sense not just not just Kansas but just how can I work so we process for her once a year well I'm curious if there's Anything else you would want to add that I didn't ask about, or is there like a specific story that kind of captures um, some of the success you've experienced with Dover processing? Um, 
can't really think of any stories or anything, but we've just been, you know, we've just been head down, just going. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I haven't even looked up to really, um, you know, we take care of our employees and um, they all get, get paid well because we want to keep them around. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think just sheer determination you know is what it what it takes it's, it's not an easy thing to do Mm-mm. it's a demanding you know i say it's worse than you know some of the, the farm type stuff where mm. it's all day and you're standing in the cold and mm. um yeah it's just it's it takes a certain breed of people to do it mm. but it's uh yeah i just encourage people before they do that that they really I don't know, maybe even go work in a plant or go spend some time in a plant and see, you know, if it's a farmer wanting to get into it. Yeah. Really know what your market, what your market is, and you really have to not have any other options mm. for processing. Mm. We knew we needed it. Yeah. So, you know, it it's a good pair for the farm, but it's also, you know, it takes us away from it too. Mm-hmm. Um. But to to grow and to do what we need to do and to be able to, we could also, you know, we're glad that we were able to offer this for other other farmers too. It's not just something where we just lock the door and say we're only doing hidden stream farm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in the scheme of things, we're pretty small as we've been so full. Mm-hmm. You know, we're there every week processing, but there's so many other people coming in and growing their businesses, which is good to see too. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the more we can get people buying local and not out of the big stores, that's kind of what we want to. That's kind of been our whole um, vision, I guess, for the last 20 plus years that we've been doing this. Yeah. You know, get people to buy local. And that's the best way. For resources on local meat processing, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground, episode 253. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Alex Romano at aromano at landstewardshipproject.org. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP.